yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of times we just have to call it out. Most of the time we, we ignore the elephant in the room. Most of the time we ignore the awkward silence or the awkward emotion that shows up and we just act like it's not happening. And unfortunately that again is an ego tactic. Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor, Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. My next guest is Christy Garcia. She leads a leadership academy called Mindful Choice Academy. And she really got me thinking about the ego in this conversation and how it gets in the way of really connecting with with those people that you want to lead or, or your team. But at the same time, she said, not only is it a weakness, but your ego is your strength. And so we dig deeper into that. In fact, she brings up controller, complier, and protector. And as you're listening in, I want you to think, which one are you? We dive into better understanding how we can finally tackle this whole ego thing by becoming aware. She gives them great, great tips on how to do this. And of course, this isn't going to solve your issue. It's, it's a long time in committing to actual change, but we do get started on it here. Hope you enjoy this one because I certainly did. Let's listen in to Christy Garcia. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, the Success Magazine podcast. And today I've got a neighbor who I didn't even know was a neighbor. It's like we're about an hour <laughs> and a half, maybe two hours away from each other in California. Christy Garcia, welcome. How are you? Hey, Tristan, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about today's call. Thanks. We were both talking about how the weather's a little nutty over here. It snowed <laughs> in your area, right? Right. I know. It's like I called my friends who are in Michigan. I'm like, hey, I'm having like a legitimate Michigan uh, winter right now. I mean, I don't know if they would agree, but for me, it seemed like these three days of misery and brilliant whiteness is amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, you've got this leadership academy and it's called mindful choice. That's really what what attracted me to wanting to talk to you. As I read further, I was looking at the biggest challenge with most leadership and most teams is, is the ego. And if you're familiar with, not you specifically, but our audience, if they're familiar with running a business, startups, co-founders, entrepreneurship, all of that great stuff. All the gonna, things. We're going to come across ego. And I thought when I was reading that, I'm like, damn, this would be a great interview. I was, I kept on thinking Ryan Holiday's book, that ego, what, um, I forgot what the ego book is uh, called. That's ego's enemy. Is that? That's the one. That's the mm -hmm. one. And I thought, man, that's, let's talk to Christy. So here we are, Christy. I want to start off with, since you've been talking to a lot of people, you, you have this amazing leadership academy. Do you see that reaction to different situations? is is a problem in our current atmosphere for leadership the way people react angry or or happy maybe the opposite mm -hmm. but reaction what do you think of when i say hey reaction from a leader absolutely i think we live in a very reactive world right now and when i hear the word reactive i just think of an unconscious behavior an unconscious thought and an unconscious action 
um, which really is what I refer to as the ego. Our ego is our unconscious brain that is usually motivated by old past beliefs, mindsets, and, you know, things that habits that we, we aren't even aware we're doing. They're unconscious. And unfortunately, 99% of the time it is running our show throughout the day. And so what happens is when you react, you're usually unconsciously going through the motions. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. You know, starting the conversation about ego is the enemy. I actually believe that our ego is both our strengths and our weaknesses. And when we learn to maximize the strength, then we're using our ego at its finest, which is again, that brain. If you're not using your ego, then you're unconsciously letting the ego run your show. If you are consciously using your brain and your mind and using that in your favor, then you're managing your ego. So where it's serving you and it's bringing the best strength out of your actions versus your reactions. Well, I like that much better now that you brought it up. So in this unconscious behavior of the ego, how do we start then to become more aware of it, to, to reel it in and maybe take a step back instead of being so reactive? Yeah, I mean, the, the easiest way to manage your ego is self-awareness. Now, a lot of people think they have self-awareness. And unfortunately, again, 95% of the time, we are unconsciously going through the motions. So even if you're aware of bad habits, you're aware of bad behaviors that you do, rarely do you truly own and recognize them in real time. And so a lot of times what happens with the ego is it does react in these, you know, real-time scenarios. And then usually the cycle of an ego is someone will point it out. Maybe they'll react to you. So let's say you come across as a little too aggressive in your statement. You think you're just, you know, stating your facts, stating your opinion. Well, someone reacts to it because they don't like it. And now you have a very heated conversation or maybe even just emotions are flying. Um, maybe you just upset somebody and they shut down, right? Like that's all ego conversations. Some people get very loud and aggressive. Some people get very quiet and passive. That's ego tactics. Unfortunately, when we aren't aware of these tactics, especially as a leader, then we are you know, typically just moving along and we're ignoring them. And so when we can recognize these behaviors, when someone starts to shut down or even call us out on it, we don't get defensive. We don't make up excuses of why we're doing that. Usually it's like, oh, you were a jerk. So I was a jerk next. Right. And that's kind of the ego's way. And if we can just like, someone's got to stop being a jerk so that we can all be our best self. Right. And so that's that conscious brain. Someone has to be conscious enough in those moments to say, you know what, I'm not going to react because they did. Let's bring us back to a conscious conversation and call it out and have a mutual, respectful conversation that actually we are choosing our actions versus just reacting um, in these unconscious ways. Oh, I like that. I like that. So if if we're talking best self here, mm -hmm. and let's say, I'm going to just use you and I as an example. You're your Perfect. best self today. And I'm, I'm not. I'm like, I'm struggling today. Mm -hmm. And you say something, and it's not it's not anything negative, bad. You're actually doing a great job. But yep. because of where I am, I take it like, whoa, whoa, you're targeting me, right? This, yeah. is, this is meant to, for me. How do we approach that scenario to be better leaders where you're the leader yep. and I'm, yep. I'm just part of a team in this case? So typically that's exactly what happens, right? Someone comes into a situation. Sometimes we're already grumpy. Sometimes just something we said makes us grumpy. Sometimes we're just going through the motions and the egos pushed us into either the victim or the martyr mindset. And uh, unfortunately, someone has to be a victim and a martyr in the egos world. And so when an ego is showing up, there is definitely a victim or martyr. Sometimes there's two victims, right? And everybody wants to play victim. 
that's usually what happens. So either someone takes something you say out of context and makes it personal. Well, we have to remember, I always, uh, I use a tool, perception is reality, but it's not truth, right? And so what we have to remember is that everybody has their own perception and the ego is driven by perception. And so when we perceive that someone made a comment that we've now taken personal, like as a personal attack, we're going to respond in an ego fashion, which could either, again, be where maybe you snap, maybe um, there's an emotional response, maybe there's a complete shutdown, maybe there's an aggressive, I'm right, you're wrong. And there's many different ways we can handle those situations. But when we're not aware of it, typically we start to just goes down the rabbit hole and it becomes just an unproductive situation. Usually it's in conflict, frustration, or someone walks away angry, right? Um, or we just walk away like, whatever, that guy's a jerk again. My boss sucks, right? Like we all do that. So it, as a leader, when you start, you know, this is the thing about self-awareness. When you start becoming aware of your own strengths and weaknesses, you start to recognize like, oh, one of my, you know, worst self traits is that I can shut people down because I can be too direct. So if you're a leader who's too direct and you notice you shut down one of your people, you are now more observant. There's more empathy and there's more care and awareness, not just for your own actions, but for someone else. So if you're not aware, which is how most of the world goes around, right, is um, we just go through it. Someone's a jerk. We walk away. We just kind of write it off as this is just who we are. And this is the dynamics of our relationship. And we either fire people or we quit our job because we can't work with difficult people. Yeah. Really, that behavior is going to follow you everywhere, right? So you're going to hire another person. It's going to be difficult. I always tell people, don't leave prematurely or don't fire, fire someone prematurely because that lesson is not learned yet. And you're going to have the same issues repeat itself Ooh. if you don't understand your ego. And so in those moments when you are aware and you can say, hey, you know what? I just you know, shut Tristan down. I can tell that something is off with him today. I'm just going to get curious. We try to avoid emotion. Sorry, go ahead. I'm agreeing with you. I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of times we just have to call it out. Most of the time we, we ignore the elephant in the room. Most of the time we ignore the awkward um, silence or the awkward emotion that shows up and we just act like it's not happening. And unfortunately that again is an ego tactic where if we could just call it out, right. Everybody knows there's something going on. Everybody knows someone's shut down or someone's upset. And so being able to just say, Hey, Tristan, you know, what? I feel like something I said upset you what's actually going on. Cause my, I don't think it was my intention right? Like giving you permission and now tell me what's going on. Now that doesn't always work, but now as a leader, I don't have to take it personal either, right? I don't have to take your grumpy response personal for my unintention, or maybe I know like, Hey, that wasn't my intention. It looks like when I said X, it really upset you. And that really wasn't my intention. Can I get a little curious about what, what's going on with you? What, you know, why, why was that so upsetting? Or, um, can we realign? We're both on the same team using language that puts everybody on the same team is key. Um, the ego likes to isolate and put everybody on their own island. And so someone has to be the wrong. Someone has to be right. Someone has to be the best. Someone has to be, you know, the loser in the group. And someone has to be liked and someone has to be uh, disliked. And so, you know, it's got all these rules that the ego makes. So it, its purpose is to isolate and make you, the, you either, again, the martyr or the victim. That's so good. The martyr and the victim thing. I love that because I do see that. It's interesting that when you start looking for patterns in, in when we start in ourselves, right, as well, uh, but when we start looking for patterns, we start looking back and seeing, oh, uh, yeah, you know what? In every situation, there always needs to be a bad guy for yes. this for this group of people. It's mm -hmm. so interesting that you say that. Do you find, though, uh, because in, in running so many different companies and being just being right in the middle of terribleness. I've also seen 
in some cases that finding the bad guy, the bad person Mm -hmm. can sometimes strengthen a team as long as that bad person is not inside of this team. Have you seen that as well? Or am I way off? I like to believe that no one is intentionally a bad guy or a bad person, right? I think, unfortunately, our ego gets the best of us sometimes. Now, don't get me wrong. There are, you know, 1% of the population that's terrible people in the world. But I think majority of us have bad days, have bad moments, which could lead to bad years, right? But I think that's really just unconscious awareness. Unfortunately, we typically avoid the bad guys, um, right? And we we just talk about them behind their back. We just talk about how grumpy they are, how mean they are, how rude they are, whether we're talking about our boss or whether it's our employee um, or our peer. And unfortunately, we never just help that person understand their impact. Um, and again, I think that goes back to perception versus reality. Most people don't realize when their worst self is coming out. Unfortunately, everybody knows when your worst self is coming out, except for yourself. The ego will not own the worst self. So, you know, one of the big activities we do in Leadership Academy is making sure that you own your good, bad, and ugly. Because what happens is the ego wants to tell you all the things you're good at, even though we don't even own that, because we know we have this dark side to all of us. Every single one of us can suck sometimes. And so when we can own that part of us and really understand what that impact looks like, then our feelings don't get hurt when someone says, wow, you're a real jerk in that meeting, right? Instead, either someone will never tell you that because you lash out and you or become a bigger jerk, or you can sit back and say, you know what? I really was. I'm really sorry. And we can start taking ownership in those moments. And I think Got that's it. the magic of ego management. Um, you know, in the Leadership Academy, especially when I could put a whole team through this program, it's really powerful because you start to see people who really kind of despised each other, despised each other, they didn't have respect for each other for the longest time because their egos were competing. And when we can realign them, put language to it, you can literally see teams start to shift and transform within three to six weeks because you start to create empathy. You start to normalize the shit of life. You start to normalize um, people's bad behaviors because you realize it's just them not being aware of it. And now you can have a a conversation that says, hey, your impact today didn't probably meet the intention you had. Let's redesign. Let's talk about this. What happened? Where are you at? What's wrong? Right? Instead, we ignore the human side and we just stick to the tactics. And unfortunately, the tactics usually are ran by the ego and we got to stay busy and we got to keep moving. And we don't ever have time to just stop and talk about the feelings or the emotions behind it. Yeah, we typically ignore the feelings. Very true. All right. When you're aware of how you react to certain situations as a leader, things that you know when you're when you're taking notes, like, you know what, that situation does make me angry or, or that makes me sad or that makes me this or that. Uh, how do you... How do you help leaders progress through that so that they become more aware? Is it them writing it down, them talking about it more? How, what does that look like? All of the above. So, you know, the Academy is a six month long program. And the reason it's six months is because awareness doesn't happen overnight. One, the ego is very smart. This unconscious brain has been running your life since you were probably about two or three. And so now that you're an adult and you're trying to become aware of it, it's like, no, 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 we're going to be sneaky. And you're not going to be like, once you are aware of it, you can make it go away, right? It never leaves your life. But if you're conscious, you can manage it back to where it doesn't control you. 
And so that unconscious brain has such deep beliefs and habits that it will then start to outsmart you as you uh, become aware. So through the six month program, we really start with a deep dive into self-awareness. Now, again, our own perception is typically off on what our reality is. And so I use a tool um, called the leadership circle that I like to put people through. And the reason I love this tool, it's really, it's a self-awareness assessment. You get to see your own perception of how you think you're showing up versus how everyone else sees you showing up. So it's 360. Um, but really what I love about it is it helps identify which egos you are. It also helps you realize, you know, where are you consciously showing up? Where are you unconsciously showing up? What are these beliefs and mindsets systems that actually are impacting how you do your work? And then from there, you're able to then take some serious ownership. Um, and so the, the first phase is, you know, self-awareness and ownership. And when I say ownership, we're not talking like, yeah, yeah, I do that. That's usually phase one of ownership. Phase two of ownership is like, holy shit, I do that. And I suck when I do that. Like, that's <laughs> actually what it looks like. Um, right. And that's when, the, I mean, there's almost tears when people have to admit that out loud because the ego has told you your whole life that you're doing a good enough job. Um, even though deep down, it's actually telling you you're never doing a good enough job and you always have to chase the ghost and you always have to prove yourself. And so it's this kind of, you know, weird uh, back and forth within our brain that's telling us either do more or don't take that feedback because you're already doing a good enough job. And so with this visual to show you, this is what you're doing. It's all perception. You can change anything here. Nothing is true. All you can do is say, hey, this is my impact. Is this what I want it to look like? And you can choose a new way now. And so that's really the power of the ownership component. From there, we start to manage the ego. And that's when you get new tools. That's when you can say, okay, I know I do. You know, I know that I can come across as too intense. How can I make sure that I'm not so intense? For me, I always say, you know, I'm, I'm a controller protector. So there's three, three egos. There's the controller, complier, and the protector. I'm a controller protector, which means I am intense, I'm fierce, I'm direct to the point. And so I have to always tell people, hey, I got to bring my sassy bitch to the table. Otherwise, I'm just a bitch, right? And that's the complier, the, the friendly, the warm, the inviting is my sass. And so bringing able to match, bring those all is where I can bring my breath self. And I have to consciously, I've been doing this work for 12 years and I still have to tell myself when I walk in a room, like smile, don't forget to smile when you walk in because <laughs> otherwise I'm just serious all the time. Uh, right. And so it's just those little things that with consciousness awareness, you can choose a new approach. You can choose a new impact um, versus letting the ego choose it for you. You All right. So you said controller, complier. And what was the third one? Protector. OK, so explain controller, somebody who just takes over, doesn't let other people talk, just kind of seam rolls. So controller can be, yes, lots of soapboxing, um, but the controller is motivated by being the best and winning. And so they are results-oriented, focused. Um, they have a lot of charis uh, charisma, passion, excitement. They are motivation in a bottle. I mean, if you were to bottle them up, they will motivate and inspire anybody. Unfortunately, a lot of times when the ego is running the show, they're fast energy. And so they're like a freight train, get on the bus or get off. We're going to run you over. And so they don't know how to slow down when they're in that unconscious mind. And a lot of times that passion and excitement will get the team rallied. But once they walk out of the room, their energy goes with them. And so a lot of times people, yeah, deflate, start to question the plan. Um, they just can't keep up. Right. And so usually controllers end up at the finish line by themselves. Unfortunately, they can be micromanagers <laughs> over control. Yeah, they will always get to the finish line usually first. Like they are results oriented. That's their ultimate driver. 
unfortunately, a lot of times they'll leave their team because no one's as good as they are um, in their mind, right? That's what the ego says. And so um, they typically over control when they feel out of control, they will uh, micromanage situations. And so, you know, they, they forget the people side, task first, people second, which then leads us to the complier side of it. Um, the complier ego is pretty much the opposite, people first, task second. And so they're warm, caring, they're inviting, lots of compassion. They put people first. Unfortunately, what happens in the complier when they're overusing that strength is they overcommit uh, because they want to make people happy. Controllers overcommit because they want to control everything and prove they can do it. Compliers overcommit because they want to prove they can do it so people will like them, right? So they're motivated by being liked and they seek validation, permission, and approval from others. And so, you know, they really, uh, again, people first, task second. So they struggle delegating. They struggle to hold people accountable. They struggle to speak their truth and share their thoughts because they're worried that people will think less of them if they don't like them. Um, they avoid the conflict, which again, makes them hold back a lot of their truth and their opinions. Okay. Okay. I, I'm, I'm already identifying with one of these. I'm like, oh, crap. Yep. Absolutely. We all have the egos. That's what my favorite thing is. That's one of the things that why it works so well with teams and organizations um, is that Every single person can identify with one to two as their dominant egos. We all fall into these buckets. And so it kind of starts to normalize. Everybody's like, oh, that's why we don't get along because I'm a controller and you're a complier. Um, or this is why we butt heads all the time. You're a protector and you have to be right. And I'm the controller that has to be the best, right? And so we have competing ideas, even though we probably are wanting the same outcome. We just, how we get there is what we compete on. And so being able to just put in some of those belief systems is really fascinating way to change a conversation and an approach quickly. Uh, but so then you've got your protectors. So that's the one that's got to be, it's motivated by being right. That's where they get their worth and value. And so if they're not right, then they have no worth and value, which makes them wrong. And that's when they, you get that black and white energy. Protectors are where every single one of us is grounded in our values, is where our authentic confidence is, it's where our courageous authenticity is, in our integrity, you know, it's it's our truth, it's our deep, deep truth that lives in the protector. Unfortunately, that can make us very black and white. And so if we're not grounded and conscious, then the protector brain can make us very stubborn, can make us confrontational, it can make us very passive or very aggressive. It can make us come across as arrogant, either the quiet arrogant where we kind of look down and people feel like we're judging them, even though we're just observing, or it could be the loud arrogance that I've got to prove I'm right. So I'm going to be louder than everybody else to tell them why I'm right. And so, you know, it's, it's got our biggest gifts. Again, the, the protector actually loves the deepest. It has the most authentic love for others. So what happens with that heart is it creates all these, um, you know, Fort Knox around it. So the, the more hurt you've had in your past, the more trauma, the more crises, the more disappointment you've had, the more you're going to have a Fort Knox around you, the more you're going to isolate, the more you're going to lack trust for people and push them away versus let them be on the same team as you. Makes sense. I'm I'm already identifying also engineers seem to be more like on the protector side. Analytical, yes. Right. Yeah. Very analytical, very high vision, lots of strategic thinking, problem solving. Mm. Um, again, because it's black and white, there's only right one right answer. So what the number one thing we work with protectors on is finding gray. They have to learn to love the shade of gray because black and white is not serving them anymore. And so when we can teach them how to find the gray in situations, 
they become more flexible, more open-minded, more um, cool. reasonable when they get too extreme on their, their stance. What is the complier working on? Yep. So the complier actually needs to pull more of the controller traits, right? Speaking truth, being more direct, telling people what they need or want, holding people accountable, somewhat micromanaging. Um, I always tell a complier, if you can start to micromanage, you'll never be a micromanager like a controller, um, where a controller has to pull from their complier and be less micromanaging, right? Be more flexible, be more open, be more people first. And so really each ego, you have to pull from the opposite in order to get your balance. Um, when we're our best self, we're actually using all three egos. Yeah. Um, then you can be the caring, thoughtful, compassionate leader who can empathize, who can hold their truth, be authentic, be real, and get results and hold people accountable, right? And so you're using all three in a way that's powerful and balanced instead of dominating from one side, which is either more task and directness or from the other side, which is more passive and um, wishy-washy, I guess. Yeah. Do the stars have to align for that to happen? (laughs) How do you get there? You know, it really does. I mean, I guess in the beginning, it probably feels that way. But really, that's where conscious awareness makes a big difference, right? If you're aware and you know that you have, you're overusing a strength of yours. Um, so the goal is to figure out, you know, what are your biggest strengths? What do they look like when you overuse them? When you care too much about somebody, what does that look like in the office space? When you care about the results before the people, what does that look like in the office space, right? And we start to really identify how it looks when we cross over that 33% of each ego. And you can start to identify in real time. Really, it's just being conscious because then you can be intentional. Then you're going to choose your action versus when we're not conscious, we're just going through the motions again, 99% of the time, you're just reacting and doing what you've always done. And really, if we ask, why did you do that? You'd be like, because that's what I've always done. We don't really have a why behind things where when you can be more intentional and more conscious of your behaviors, then you say, hey. I actually don't know why I did that. I should have done this. Or in real time, you're like, I know I want to do this, but that's not going to serve me. So what should I do? You know, what is my next action? What would be my intentional choice here? And now you're going to move in a new new way. Um, I always tell people, you can't change people, but you can change your own approach, which changes how people show up. And when you can do that, that's really ego management at its finest. You're managing your own ego by choosing your new approach to then manage someone else's knowing that they would have reacted to your older approach. So you're trying to get them aligned as well. So you're managing their ego to try to shift the energy to a productive conversation versus unconsciously showing up. All right. On that specifically, I feel like in some cases, because we have not the greatest examples from politicians, of course, (laughs) that some people are like, well, damn, they're doing it. Because I feel like it's almost... You're telling me what I, I agree with 100%. Mm-hmm. When I put it into the real world with, with politics, I feel like it's almost a sign of weakness, right? And I agree with you, by the way. I'm just saying what I'm seeing. because No, but it's what we're seeing. Absolutely. Well, how do we approach this so that we're not then kind of steamrolled? Yeah, you know, I think, unfortunately, we live in a world that's social media driven, reactive driven. You know, the bigger response, the better. I think that's the way the news has gone. It's the way politics has gone. So very extreme. They have, you know, this is the unfortunate thing about our, I guess, the gift and the curse, right? Same thing we're talking about, but how we're using it in society. 
um, on these bigger platforms is more of a manipulation. They know how to trigger people's emotion, right? If you look at a social media news article, you scroll through any news channel and you're going to see very ego-driven titles because that's what gets clicked, right? It's not the one that says Sally got promoted and it was a really good day. It's (laughs) Sally sabotaged Jonathan's career and everybody was pissed, right? And someone wants to read that. And so it becomes like we're living in these, you know, inquire world articles that really just aren't real to everyday life. And I think people are getting a little more of a grasp on that. Like this is just too much and it's a little over the top. But unfortunately, that's an ego-driven thing. Ego is driven by emotions. It's driven by change, by the unknown, by circumstances that are out of our control, right? And so everything that you see, whether it's in politics, whether it's in, again, the news, social media, usually the big talking points are things we cannot control. It's emotion driven. It's not logical. It's not rational. And most of it doesn't even impact our daily lives unless they emotionally try to make it, right? And so um, unfortunately, we then have an ego response. We either have to take this massive, you know, action and it becomes a black and white. You either are, you buy into the movement or you don't. And if you don't, you're bad. And if you do, you're bad and no one can win, right? And so again, there's a victim and a martyr. And so being able to really ground yourself, I think that goes back to that conscious mind of being able to control your thoughts, even when something around you is trying to get your ego to respond, trying to say, this is what normal is. No, that's not normal. It's not normal to have these emotional outbursts. It's not normal to um, live in this roller coaster of up and down because that's what society is telling you to do. And I think most people feel that these days. Life has become a lot and people are exhausted with the emotional roller coaster. I think, unfortunately, most of us don't know how to get off because our ego runs our show. And so when we can learn how to control our brain, when we can learn how to put language around why we're feeling something versus just letting the emotion control us, and then we get burnt out, we get exhausted, we get worn out, and we kind of just go into a hibernation or a full depression, right? Like, I can't handle my life right now because it's so overwhelming. Yeah, I do see that happening. It's interesting. With this ego, you, you said ego is driven by the unknown. And it's uh, as you were, were talking, I'm like, oh, wait, that's so true. Yeah. And and most people aren't, the majority of people aren't good at handling the unknown. We just saw what happened during COVID. <laughs> I think that's a perfect example of the ego at work, right? Yeah. We had the top panicking that then put the entire world into panic. People handled it very different. I actually have a whole chapter in the academy around the the egos during the pandemic because you had certain people went into complete like fear-driven mode, like, oh my God, we're literally all going to die. This is not good. Um, Then you had another world that was like, this is totally bogus. I'm not buying any of this bullshit. I'm going to go about and ignore all of it. And then you had like, you right. And so then there was a ton of gray in between that. But I think we, we were given this panic of information and then the ego gets, gets to make up its own perception. And so the perception was really dictated by social media, news, politics that then became, made everybody a little uneasy, uh, stressed out, overwhelmed, and no one really knew what to believe anymore, right? And then we start questioning our own values, our own thoughts, our own mm. abilities to, to live and make the choices that we need to make. And I think that was such a perfect example of how the ego can create chaos instantly. 
And that was a big scale, but that happens in the office all the time. That happens at home all the time. If you have a toddler, you experience that moment to moment. <laughs> they don't know what the hell's happening. Everything. Right? Like Everything is crazy. Like everybody's bipolar for a minute because the toddler just had a moment. Yeah. So, all right. On that, how do we then guard against it knowing that we're naturally reactive mm-hmm. in this way? How do we guard against, is it journaling? Because becoming aware, like you said, is a longer process, even in, in your academy. Yes. Right. So help me through some steps that we can take to start getting better at this. You know, everybody thinks, oh, this is really hard and it's a big commitment. Really, it's it's you just choosing to be better, right? It's you choosing to say, I want to have a new way. It's a choice. The ego is going to tell you you're fine. You're doing a good enough job, even though you're burnt out, even though you're exhausted, you hate your job, you probably don't like your relationship. Everything makes you miserable. And, you know, being able to catch yourself and be like, you know what? I control my life. My ego doesn't control my life. John doesn't control my life. My boss doesn't control my life. Politics doesn't control my life. I get to choose. And one thing we get to choose is what we eat, what we get to digest, what we get to improve in ourselves. And personal development is just as hard as going to the gym. It's a muscle you have to work out. And so I always tell people, start small, 1% every single day. That's it. Wake up and choose to be 1% better. Um, Whether that means that you just tell yourself, you know what, I'm going to be more intentional today. Just that little thought is going to start you being more conscious. Now, you might only get 1% more conscious in that moment. Um, and maybe it only lasts 1% of your day, but that's now 1% of your day that was more conscious than yesterday, yesterday, right? And so the next day you say, you know what, today I'm actually going to have that difficult conversation that I've been putting off forever. Now you get to have that difficult conversation and maybe you get to bring a little bit more of your best self in there, right? And so it's, again, just being more intentional. Oh. There's actually a an activity if people want to go to my site um, that I can offer to your group, uh, mindfulchoiceacademy.com backslash success. Um, And it's just a a simple activity, how to be 1% better every day, whether you're, you know, being a better boss, parent, entrepreneur, business owner, friend, spouse, parent. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you just have to choose. You have to be conscious to say, you know what, today I'm going to try not to yell at my kids as much. And you might still yell at them, but maybe you didn't yell at them for one thing that you always yell at them for. Or maybe when you are walking in the office, just being able to say, I'm going to tell everybody in the office good morning today and not come across as so busy that no one feels that they can talk to me. So little actions like that make such a big difference. I think once you take it a step further, then it takes a choice, right? Get a coach, Uh, especially, you know, you've got business owners, entrepreneurs, co-founders listening to this, get a coach, get someone that you can trust to be that person that's not going to tell you everything you want to hear. They're going to call you out when you're not showing up as your best. Mm. They're going to call you out when your ego is telling you a story and you're buying your own press. They're going to call you out when you're blaming others is why your business isn't successful or why your team is not showing up. The most common things we hear as a leadership coach is I hear all the time, you know, I just can't find the right staff members. Oh, you know, I just this one position, and it's typically one right underneath them, they just, they can't do it as easy or as well as me. So I just do it still. That is an ego tech. That tells me this leader is not good at delegating and they need to learn to train people and trust that others are capable of doing the job just as well as they are. Right. And so again, it's recognizing where's your ego showing up? How is it holding you back? And then choosing to put the actions and the tools in place. Um, so journaling is one way you can do it. I think, again, it takes more than just journaling because you have to get that third-party expected, uh, perspective mm-hmm. in order to truly understand what your impact is. 
Otherwise, your ego will always make excuses for you and make someone else either the bad guy or the victim. What I'm hearing is, by the way, I love everything you're saying, and I agree. I'm hearing that we need to get other people involved in the things that we're doing to progress them forward, right? So I I love that. I don't usually hear that as much. So thank you for that. By the way, while you were talking, and I was listening, I promise, I went to... (laughs) mindfulchoiceacademy.com uh-huh. and I, I added my email and I downloaded it. So Oh, perfect. I don't think it's updated yet. Is this live? This isn't live, right? This isn't live, so don't. <laughs> okay, I'm like, shoot. <laughs> it will be, yes. <laughs> I got you. For now, it did, um, it did include me in the email. Awesome. I'm loving this. So do you personally journal or no? I'm not a traditional journalist. So I'm not a traditional journalist. I'm not a traditional meditator. Uh, those are things that I don't enjoy doing. Um, so I think this is where a lot of times for the academy, I designed the academy for people like myself, controllers who move fasting fast and don't have a lot of time to sit down and do stuff. With that being said, I have to force myself to still sit down and write things down. Um, sometimes I'm not necessarily a writer. Um, I will jot down a quick note while I'm driving, right? Like more of a recorded note uh, versus a typer or a writer. Uh, But I do find value in, you know, I think the one thing that I have an advantage over people is I coach all day. So I'm talking to people about their weaknesses and strengths all day, which naturally shines lights on mine. Um, Because what happens with the ego is we either identify someone else's weakness because we have overcome it, or we identify with someone else's weakness because we still have it and we don't own it. And so that happens to me all the time where it's like, shit, I did that same thing. Okay. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like I have a little bit of a different situation than most that um, my natural journey comes through, you know, the five to six coaching sessions I have a day with my clients. Uh, that's cool. Wow, Christy, you might need to practice what you just preached right there. So that's usually in the model that I have at the end of the day, practice what I preach. Um, you know, especially it can apply to my family and my, um, my world daily based on what I hear through clients. Cause we all are living the same life. We're all going through the same stuff. I think what you're experiencing is a blessing because I go through something similar where I'm exposed to to different scenarios so often because we're we're coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or or we're talking like you and I are talking, and I find that that's kind of like educating me in the process, and it's making me more aware because I'm so reflective. I'm like, holy cow! It's like, oh damn, I suck at that and that and that. I feel like we're learning so fast because of it if we apply it right. Right. Well, we get reminded every moment that we're coaching that we're not perfect either. Right. I always tell my clients, this stuff doesn't leave you. I mean, I can say that I've managed my ego a hundred thousand times over the last 12 years. And my husband will come agree every day that it's still there. Um, you know, so again, none of us are designed to be perfect, but I think what ego management is accepting our imperfections and being able to just acknowledge them in real time and say, yeah, that wasn't my intention right? Just by being able to acknowledge, like, cause that takes courage and that takes vulnerability and it takes you being confident in your truth in order to say, yeah, I was wrong. Or that was not my intention. I did not want to hurt your feelings in that moment. And I'm sorry. Like a genuine apology is really hard for us to do when our ego is running our show. 
So yeah, I always tell people if you're not genuinely apologizing and you're just apologizing to get like to be able to move on, then your your ego's running that conversation and you're no better than the person that you're sitting across. And you might actually have a bigger ego in the situation than they do. Huh. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So the internal thoughts seem to be probably the biggest challenge. Like you, you said at the beginning, as I'm taking notes and you mentioned that the unconscious behavior, right? That that language of how we react, right? Because we're not aware of it. That internal thought pattern is so key to to helping us change. Is there something that you recommend for most people besides uh, what you were mentioning? Be more be more intentional. Wake up and think. You know, small one percent changes. If I were to just be like, I'm ready for it. Just give me the fire hose version of this. What would that look like? Well, first to clarify, there's no fire hose version when it comes to self-awareness and ownership, right? The controller in all of us says, tell me how to be better and I'll do it tomorrow. Unfortunately, that's not the way this work works, right? This is a lifelong journey. And so really it's more about, you know, the easiest way I would say to do it is one, getting clear on why you do what you do. Why are you angry? Why are you frustrated? Why are you disappointed? Why are you upset? Whatever that reaction is that's happening, stop in that moment and ask why. Why does this matter to me? Why does it matter to the other person, right? And that that level of awareness is going to help get you conscious enough to where it's no longer personal. The further you get it away from you on the why, you know, why does it matter to me? Why does it matter to my team? Why does it matter to my community? Why does it matter to my client? Why does it matter to the universe? Like whatever that thing is, like get it as far away from you as possible. It's no longer personal. And now you can make a conscious, logical, thoughtful process or action to take versus that initial, why does it matter to me? That's an ego-driven reason why it matters to you. Not saying that's not relevant. It's very important because that's your perception and that's your truth. But that perception could be jaded by your ego's perspective. And so being able to get it away from you allows you to empathize and see it from a bigger picture to then make a different choice. The second thing, ownership is the easiest way to get everybody's ego managed. When someone can take ownership first, you can start to manage bad people. Earlier you asked, you know, as a leader, how can I take ownership? Part of that process was, you know, wow, that wasn't my intention. It looks like something I said triggered you, right? That's ownership of something. It hasn't taken full ownership, but that was ownership in order to give someone else permission to take ownership. And when we can take ownership, whether it's 1% of the situation or 99% of the situation, you cannot own 100% of any situation or you're being a martyr or a victim. Like you cannot take 100% because there's two people or 15 people or 100 people or a whole world involved, right? Like everybody plays a role. And so when you can take your part and say, wow, I should have sent that email, you know, three days earlier without the intense language in there. And I'm really sorry. Now you just gave someone else permission to say, well, and I probably could have not procrastinated as long as I did because I was angry with you. Now you have a productive conversation, right? The elephant's out of the bag. Everybody gets to take ownership and we get to move forward. And so that's really where, you know, getting curious, why does this matter to me and everybody else involved? And then ownership, what's my part? And now you can move forward. That's good. That's very good. It reminds me of a little bit of uh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko. He has a chapter that says uh, that he did that. He took ownership and then everybody started saying, wait a second, that's kind of my fault. So it's the whole Spartacus movie. I'm Spartacus. No, I'm Spartacus. 
Uh, right? <laughs> We're all oh, smart that's, again. That's so good. I like this. All right, Christy, where where do people find out more about you and where do people follow you or send questions to you? Um, you can reach me on my website, mindfulchoiceacademy.com. You can also go to LinkedIn uh, at either Christy Garcia or um, the Mindful Choice Academy. You can find us on social media. Uh, I'm, I'll admit my weakness is I'm not great at social media. I'm definitely more of the human connector. So you can even reach out and give me a phone call. Um, any way you want to connect, I'd love to hear from you. Perfect. I'm going to follow you on LinkedIn. I'm going to go find you and Perfect. follow you there. Thank you so much. I got you. Founder at Mindful awesome. Choice Leadership Academy. All right. I'm following you. Let's stay connected. Nice. So much. This was this was great. I took a lot of notes. We appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was a real pleasure. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.